You're listening to the One Small Bite Podcast with me, your host, David Roscoe. For over a decade, I have built a successful nutrition practice helping thousands of people thrive, nourish their life, and break the cycle of crazy diets. We will take one small bite at a time to transform your health and develop a positive relationship to food. So let's chop the diet mentality, fuel your body, and nourish your soul. Okay, are you ready? Let's do this. Hola amigos, welcome to the One Small Bite Podcast where we bring you anti-diet conversations and topics that chop diet culture in its tracks so that you can build a positive relationship with food, make peace with your body, and learn to live fully. I'm your host, David Orozco, certified intuitive eating, registered dietitian nutritionist, and my practice is Orozco Nutrition located in Decatur, Georgia, a small suburb of Atlanta. I have an incredible team of Haze, health at every size, and weight-inclusive, informed, and trained registered dietitian nutritionist, and a team of therapists. This is where we focus on that anti-diet and compassion approach to help you break free from the shackles of diet culture and weight stigma. I am excited because today we have an amazing show for you. We have Dr. Jacob Schwartz, who is president of the performance-based physical therapy company in Atlanta, Georgia, called Athletes Potential. And I wanted to bring him on because I wanted to bring in another perspective. We had Chris Tiley in episode 105, and I thought it was interesting for uh, me to continue the conversation about injuries and joints and back problems, especially around our weight-stigmatized world, our diet culture society. And so, you know, back in episode 100, I was telling you about my journey in 2000, I started changing things, and then 9-11 happened in 2001, and things really started to escalate from there. And, I, you know, I there are a lot of little things that were happening in my life. I was on this fix-me craze. I was uh, coming out of messed up relationships, and I was on this diet kick, and I was going to be super fit, and I was working out probably, I don't know, three to four hours, some days, five or six days a week, I was really killing it with physical activity. Or at least that's what I thought I was doing. And I was on this craze of eating healthy and I was doing this zone diet thing. And then um, something happened in 2002. I was in my Aikido class. Aikido is a Japanese martial art. And uh, I wasn't teaching that day, but I was taking class and we were just doing some warm ups. And all of a sudden, I heard my knee go pop. And I was like, what the heck was that? And so I went to an orthopedist. They did an MRI and they found that I had a meniscus tear. And so I didn't think much about it. I, they said, well, you know, what we could do is we can have surgery or you can leave it. And so in February of 2002, I had the surgery and they carved out a little piece and then I was back at working out and I didn't realize that I could have done some more things, physical therapy. I really didn't pay attention to all of that. I think I was just blinded. 
So this is one of the other reasons why I wanted to have Dr. Jacob Swart on. And you you heard in episode 105 from Chris Tiley, another physiotherapist or physical therapist. So I love that I'm bringing these two together because these injuries really are at the heart of what diet culture is doing to us. And these injuries can really set us back emotionally. So we're going to talk about some great topics. You're going to hear about Dr. Schwartz and Athletes Potential's holistic approach, which I really like. And I also, they're going to talk about blood flow restriction training. Oh man, that's really interesting. So stay tuned for that. And stay tuned to the end as well, because I've got a very important announcement about podcasts coming up, episodes coming up. So stay tuned, great news, and I'm really excited to have you all listen. All right, here we go. Hey, everyone. I am excited because I'm here with Dr. Jacob Swart. Did I say your name right? You did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good. Sometimes I'm always worried I'm not going <laughs> to say someone's name right. So, uh, Jacob, I'd love for people to get to know you a little bit. Why don't you just tell them a little bit about you? Of course, I just so you know, we'll read your bio in advance, but yeah. uh, kind of more give them a little bit sort of that background of what's not in your bio, bio. like uh, yeah. you know, where'd you grow up and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, I would love to. Uh, well, first of all, you know, thanks, David, so much for having me on the show. Um, that last name, it's interesting. You, you did it right because like uh, people will typically do Schwartz or Swartz, which both make sense. You know, I kind of stopped correcting people, but it's definitely just Swartz. It's like, a, you know, Wart with an S in front of it. So got um, it. Got it. Cool. yeah. But uh, yeah, my background. So uh, I was I'm raised in a small town up in Ohio called Marion. And, um, you know, early starting early on in my life, I had to deal with injuries, uh, as I'm sure most, you know, I read this interesting stat, I think it was like something like 82 percent or some wild high number of people in the healthcare field, specifically or, or speaking primarily to the orthopedic folk. Um, dealt with an injury of some sort that led him to that career path. Anyway, um, yeah, yep. I am I am a part of the statistic there where um, I ended up having like two knee surgeries, two ankle surgeries, uh, you know, wrist surgery, heart procedure, all between the ages of 14 and 19. And um, I mean, I was really excited about uh, physical therapy because the way the surgeon described it to me by very first, uh, before I went in there, he was like, yeah, you know, it's pretty much like uh, personal training, but for athletes. And I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome, you know? And I go in there and it couldn't have been further from the truth. Like uh, I was the youngest one in there by like four or five decades, no joke, and doing like the wow. exact same exercises. It was like this really like cold lighting that was in there. It was, it was just miserable. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. I, I so, you know, I had these two knee surgeries back to back uh, because of different various complications. But then I ended up tearing my quad uh, when I got cleared from my knee. I went to back in for track and I ended up tearing my quad, uh, quadricep. And it was a pretty bad tear. And, you know, I was pretty frustrated. And I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm not going to go back to PT. And I went to a strength coach in our hometown. And man, he really took me under his wing. And, uh, you know, he's very entrepreneurial. He was, um, you know, he was really big into um athletic performance enhancement versus more than just like, uh, like, Oh, here's it. He took a very holistic approach to, to, um, training and really learned a lot from him. Anyway. Um, I knew that there was a missing link from that point forward between, uh, rehab and performance. And, uh, I went on a mission to try to figure out how I can kind of bridge that gap. And that led me to going, um, and that was all in high school. So that led me on my track in college to figuring out, um, 
you know, what do I, how do I get there? What's the best route? So I majored in exercise physiology and did a few, did had cool, really cool experiences with that. And then furthered on my career, got my doctorate in physical therapy from Ohio university. And you know, what's interesting is having that strength conditioning background of exercise physiology and doing my various um, work, work experiences with that. I found when I got into PT school that there was still a big um, misunderstanding or gap in the knowledge of true strength training and uh, what they teach you from a strength training protocol from a rehab standpoint. And it's really unfortunate. So, uh, and then I knew when I, so then, you know, when you're in PT school, you start doing all these different internships and these different clinical rotations. And it, it became very apparent very quickly, again, that the old way of physical therapy or the more traditional way of physical therapy was quickly becoming antiquated. It was not something that I had any interest in. And a lot of my classmates had no interest in. And, um, so, and, and what was frustrating about that and what continues to be frustrating to this day, I speak to therapy, I speak to PTs every week about this is traditional PT. It really does treat the patients as just a number. Like what's, what's the um, max amount of people that we could have every physical therapist see and what's the max volume we can get into the clinic at that point. And it really kind of starts to turning into this, uh, like factory type sensation where I'm sure if anybody who's listening, to this has been to traditional PT, they felt it themselves. If you haven't yourself, David, um, but like you go in there, you're one of three or four P, uh, patients that that physical therapist is working with, you know, they're running around, you might get two minutes with that PT. And I guarantee you, you go to any traditional PT clinic. I can with 80% accuracy guess like what you're going to do on that day. It's going to be, uh, you know, you're going to go in there, you're going to see the PT. They're going to do like five minutes of stretching, 10 minutes of stretching on you, get their hands on you for a little bit. You're going to go off and you're going to, you're going to get on the bike for another 10 minutes. You're going to do some strength training for about 20 to 30. You're going to get on a hot pack or ice pack with stem for another 15 to 20, and then maybe another five minutes with PT at the end. And then you're done. Um, and that, it just doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't, you know, that's great for people who have very baseline level of uh, physical fitness, or they have no desire to be there. They're just trying to check a box for whatever reason. But for a lot of people in this world, that just doesn't work. People like yourself, people like a lot of your listeners, the people that we get to work with every single day, where they're trying to not only uh, get out of pain, but they're trying to improve their performance. Uh, they're trying to, and not just performance of like, you know, from a sports standpoint, but from a life standpoint, uh, there's a lot of people out there who, uh, you know, they use exercise as a habit or a way to get back to themselves, to make themselves a better um, you know, to give themselves the energy to run their business, to give themselves the energy to be an awesome employee, to give themselves the uh, to energy to be an awesome parent or a great spouse or whatever that whatever is important to them. They use exercise as a form of to do that, and it's really frustrating when you can't perform at a level that you want to or do the things that you love. And uh, that's where that's where that's the gap that we bridge now, and it's really cool to kind of see that. So that's a long winded answer, I guess, to say like out of frustration, it led me to where I am right now. And I couldn't be happier to help the people that we, uh, that we get to help with on a work with on a daily basis, reach the goals that I know that I would want to reach my, that I want to reach myself uh, and help them do the same thing. So I have a few questions for you uh, that you mentioned along your comments here. Um, I think just for clarity's sake, why don't you give the listeners a difference between a strength training coach or strength and conditioning coach, a mm -hmm. athletic trainer, a personal trainer, and a physical therapist. I know most people have an idea, but I think yeah. we have bits and pieces 
maybe delineate a little bit of that so people know what it is that you mean by I did physical therapy, but then I went to a strength training or a strength and conditioning mm -hmm. coach. Yeah, great. So those what's cool is those lines, uh, what's cool or frustrating all at the same time is those lines get more and more blurred by the day, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, I can speak very clearly on what PTs and strength and conditioning coaches are because that's who I am. And I can give a very brief overview about what like an AT is or a uh, personal trainer uh, or, or, you know, it's just not, it's not what I do, but I do know the general differences between the two. So, um, you know, broadly speaking, I don't want to insult anybody here, but a uh, physical therapist is going to have that higher level education where, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. We have to have our doctorate degree to be able to sit for our board exam and we have to pass that national board exam to be able to get licensed. So um, there's going to be that difference there. I think most athletic trainers will have their master's degree at this point. Uh, but an athletic trainer, they're going to be a little bit more uh, frontline facing where they're going to be a little bit more in terms of like, okay, how do I, uh, if an injury happens, uh, how do I correct or how do I quickly get you to the person that you need to get to? Uh, and how do we manage that uh, while you're on the field? Or if you're nicked up, how do we manage that pain while you're uh, still trying to perform? Uh, so like, an, like an EMT on the field for uh, injuries. Yeah. You know, I think uh, from a broad way of see, uh, seeing things, that's a great way to kind of describe it. And it's, it's an analogy I've used quite a bit. It's kind of like that, exactly that, that EMS of the sport world. Um, the, uh, the difference between a personal trainer and a strength coach is again, uh, education level, a strength coach or certified strength and conditioning specialist. They have to have their bachelor's degree to be able to sit for the exam to get, or become a uh, certified strength and conditioning specialist. Uh, just, it is what it is. Uh, there's a very low, barrier of entry to become a personal trainer. I think you got to be 18 and then uh, take a test. Uh, I think that that's pretty much it. So there's, I know great personal trainers out there, people that I would refer honestly patients to before I send them to other PTs. But the issue is there's no regulation there. You, it's kind of like uh, you're kind of, uh, you hope you got a good one because there's also a real bunch of really, really bad personal trainers out there. Um, just like there are really, really bad PTs out there too. Uh, so I think, again, that's the big distinction there. Like, uh, it's just that education level. You're going to have a little bit better. Um, you're going to have a higher floor, uh, with a strength coach than you would a personal trainer. And so like, say you want to become, and a lot of times personal trainers, they're going to focus a little bit more on just like, uh, fitness and they're going to focus a little bit more on aesthetics or, or, you know, just general population type stuff, uh, versus a strength coach. They're going to be more like that collegiate strength and conditioning specialist where they're going to be making sure that from a um, very specific and goal oriented way how can we get this athlete to perform at the, at a top level? So there's some differences in, in terms of philosophy and general populations of who they work with. And then a PT, man, I was just having this conversation uh, with a few different providers the other day, and including, uh, including Kelly Stratt, who's one of the top PTs, one of the most well-known ones out there, you know, he's written books like becoming a supple leopard and desk bound and um, mobility wad is his company. Now that's the ready state, but um it's kind of blurry. Like where, where are we now as a profession? It started off very much so as, oh, well, if you get injured and you have a surgery, then you go to PT and you get rehabbed after your surgery back to normal levels. And now, um, we've got doctor, we've got a doctor level education. We can, in most States we have direct practice autonomy. So we're making that we're making that, uh, you know, PT diagnoses and we're making, and we're, and we're developing plans of care for people. And then of course, if they don't progress in a certain period of time, we send them out just like any other provider would, but, uh, physical therapists there we're uh, we, we call ourselves like movement experts. And unfortunately, uh, that's hard to agree with in certain aspects. Uh, it's becoming, 
uh, more and more uh, familiar for PTs to be able to walk somebody through a back squat or to be able to walk somebody through a deadlift or to be able to um, see somebody do a, a clean and jerk and see why they're having shoulder pain. Um, before or when I was in PT school, which was only five years ago, that wasn't the case. You, that was a very rare skill set for uh, physical therapists to have. And, uh, but you're starting to see more and more of this blend of strength and conditioning. So like some of these bigger movements, some of these better understandings of, of, uh, strength foundations and fundamentals and bleeding those into rehab. Cause, because we are finding more and more that, uh, you can't go wrong getting strong. So, uh, that's, that's kind of like the general overview, I would say of those four, uh, professions there. I would just disagree with you. You can't go wrong getting too strong though. Yeah, you know, to a degree for sure. I think it depends yeah. on what you mean by too strong and what the goals are, but, um, yeah, you're Maybe. right. There, there, <laughs> I mean, there's, to there's me, extremes, to me, extremes are extremes. It doesn't matter what, which direction it is. It's a matter of finding what that balance is. So that takes me back to what you were mentioning a little while ago, which is yeah. the missing link between rehab and performance. I think you alluded a little bit to it earlier, but what have you seen maybe in your practice? And we'll talk a little bit more about your uh, the company you work with, uh, mm -hmm. Athletes Potential. And, you know, what is that uh, connection? How is it that you go from that rehab to the performance? Because that's a, that is a challenge. For sure. You know, I think like, uh, so you take somebody who is in a rehab protocol, say they just had knee surgery, right? Well, in traditional PT land, they're going to say, okay, you've got zero to 180 degrees of range of motion. So you can, you can lay your knee out flat and you can bend your heel to your butt essentially. Like that's great. Um, you've been working on your quad strength. That looks cool too. Uh, but that's about it, right? They're going to make sure that your, your knee bends the way it should and that you have general strength to kind of do some found, found basic foundational movements. Like, can you walk, can you go walk up and down stairs? Can you do some of these things? Right. Which again, is fine. They might take it a step further, but the issue again, is that with, uh, because of various factors and it's not always PT related, like a lot of a heavy load or heavy burden is placed on PTs from insurance companies, decreasing their reimbursement rates so much. So, um, and that's an issue, but, and, and insurances aren't insurance companies aren't going to pay for you to improve your performance. They're gonna be like, no, why would I pay for you? you? You can bend your knee and you've got adequate strength to get about in your daily life. Like that's it. That's all I need to pay for. So then that becomes a problem, right? So it's not always like a medical provider's fault. There's other factors and layers that go into that, but, um, it just doesn't work for somebody that's, that's either on the, either, you know, that somebody wants to go on and do a three mile jog every day or, you know, hit 10 miles a week or somebody that wants to go be active with their kid, right? Like uh, if somebody has back pain, just because I can make you bend and have good range of motion and decent strength, but you have the fear of that back pain coming back every time you try to pick your newborn up out of the crib, like what good did I really do you if all I did was like do some soft tissue work and make you feel good while you're in there, right? Or if you had knee pain or if you had a knee surgery and all I did was get that knee range of motion back, but now you've got this, uh, you can't get back to sprinting a sub 11 uh, 100 meter dash, right? Like what did I really do for you? I didn't really solve your problem. I just got you kind of halfway there and said, good luck, right? Um, and a lot of that is, is based off the foundation of, of just, um, human movement strength is a piece of that, uh, knowing aerobic capacity is a piece of that, making sure that like whatever goal a person has that we have a, a strong foundation in and can actually work on progressing you further than just, Oh, great. You check these boxes that an insurance company is going to be looking for. Um, how do we now get you into like living the quality of life that you want to live? So, so that's the I have the, there. 
So I have the same problem in my world where clients will come, insurance stops paying, and there's more work to be done. And that is definitely a huge barrier to any level of healthcare whatsoever. I, I agree. Sure. I I want to know beyond that insurance, what are the particulars? Like if I am going to continue going to physical therapy, because I, I know a lot of clients, me included, that will yeah. go, well, you know, that the, the physical therapist wasn't really giving me much and, you know, my pain hasn't improved or my performance hasn't gotten there. Tell me what you do to take it to that next level. Yeah, great question. So flat out, if the patient, so say you come out, come in, and you have pain when you run, right? Or you have pain when you walk or you have pain when you do X. If that physical therapist or that healthcare provider doesn't have to be PT related, if that physical therapist uh, isn't seeing you, watching you run. So if they're not sitting there, if they're not watching you perform at a certain point, or if you have back pain when you squat, and that patient and that PT isn't making sure that they're seeing you when you squat and not just can you do an air squat, but let's see, let's see what happens when we load you up, because there's a lot of different variables that come into play when you, when you start uh, hitting capacity. And so we want to make sure that we're that if the person or if a physical therapist isn't making sure that they're pushing you to those limits, because lo and behold, the body's not very fragile, right? Like the body is very robust and it can adapt and compensate and do all kinds of weird stuff uh, to make sure that it is, that it is, um, allowing you to accomplish the goals that you want to hit. So that pain could be coming from layers of things that could have been building for years that just never really got addressed and, and won't be addressed unless I push you to certain points. Right. Um, so if they're not, if they're not assessing you perform at a level that you should be performing at or tr are trying to be performing at, then that's a problem. Right. And then uh, if, if all they're doing, if you come in with knee pain and all they do is two things, focus on your pain or two, focus on only your knee, then that is a problem. Uh, we are a complex mechanism as a human being where you need to be able to take a holistic approach to who this person is sitting in front of you, right? Uh, because say I have, and I'll give you a great example. I had somebody come in, she had bilateral. So on both sides, she had Achilles tendinopathy. Uh, she, she had Achilles tendon pain and she had had this pain for years. She came in in a wheelchair because she couldn't, she couldn't stand a walk more than 10 feet. And she had had all kinds of MRIs, uh, not CAT scans, but MRIs, X-rays, orthopedics, uh, looking at her. There's, she's had a really bad Achilles tendon on both sides. And uh, again, nothing wrong. Like it wasn't torn. It wasn't like this issue, but she was extremely stressed. She had very, she had horrible sleep habits. Um, she was, she had a lot of different factors coming into her life. Her nutrition wasn't very good at all because she was, you know, in this downward spiral of various forms of depression and everything else. So I mean, I could talk to her to her mouth or until I'm blue in the face with like different uh, loading protocols, whether that's eccentric, concentric, isometric, or like different strengthening protocols. But if I didn't address the baseline basics of stress management, sleep, sleep habit or sleep hygiene, uh, some basic nutrition things and getting her in touch with the right people. Uh, if I didn't take time to address those issues first, then I was going to get nowhere with her Achilles tendons. And that's exactly what happened. We started making great progress. And then lo and behold, check this out. Her, unfortunately... Uh, her cousin, who she was very close with, ended up passing away during our rehab process and immediately went back into this downward spiral of not being able to, or not being able to tolerate walking when we were having her, like, you know, she wasn't out running just quite yet. Cause that's going to take a while, but she was walking up and downstairs. She did. She came in not needing a wheelchair, all these other things. And it, it just almost went right back down the baseline once this extra stress got added in. So there's just so many more com uh, like complexities to being a human being than, Oh, your knee hurts. It's probably your quad. 
or your knee hurts and must be you, it must be this inflammation that we see. Your knee hurts and must be your meniscus. There's all these different layers. And if the person isn't taking the time or doesn't have the ability to take the time to see like why those, why all these different, uh, or to take the time just to check all these different areas to make sure that those aren't contributing to your pain or the reason why you have pain, then that's a problem. And that's how we kind of start differentiating ourselves is we have the ability to take that time. And, um, and that's, and that's a very frustrating place to be when you're a doctorate level healthcare provider and you can't take that time. So, uh, again, I think that that's a big differentiation, a differentiation between us and what a traditional PT practice would look like. All right. So it's in, to summarize, I think what I heard you say is that traditional physical therapist or traditional physical therapy would check the boxes that insurance needs just to make sure that you have rehabilitated. Whereas what you guys are doing um, uh, or what you are all doing is more of a holistic approach with the individual. Exactly. Yeah. So that means looking at stress management, sleep, uh, nutrition, movement, and maybe other areas of life. It seems like it, this is more of not physical therapy, but more of a holistic movement practice. Is that how you guys call yourself or what do you, what would you say about that? <laughs> yeah, great question. You know, like, uh, we our, our clinic name is athletes potential, like, and you don't have you don't see physical therapy in that name at all. You know, yeah. uh, and it's like that for a reason, because we do want to differentiate ourselves from traditional physical therapy. Um, and you're right, like, it, it probably isn't the best we are traditionally trained as physical therapists, but we more, uh, we more think of ourselves as almost like uh, performance consultants, really, um, or like movement consultants where, uh, you know, you're not going to come in and we're not going to babysit you through your, you know, we're not going to like traditional PT script would be, you know, I need you to come in for four to six times a week, two to three times a week, um, for PT, we're not going to babysit you. Cause like one, our time is super valuable. I don't need to come in and watch you exercise. What I need to do is see how you move, uh, from a biomechanical, from a functional standpoint, we need to see, like, we need to talk about some of these other factors in your life. And then we need to give, develop a plan to make sure that we can let you give you the information and the plan that you need to go forward and work on this your own. Cause we work with very motivated people and, uh, and we set it up that way on purpose. And then we might check back in with you like once a week to start off with. And then it's going to come out to maybe once a month. It all kind of depends on what you need at that point. But, uh, we understand that on top of trying to get back to performing at a level that you want to, man, our time is the most important thing that we have in life. And the last thing I want, especially in, this, in a place like Atlanta, is for you to feel like you have to come in and, and drive all the way across town two to three times a week just to sit there and do programming that you can do on your own. You just need the, tool, you just need the knowledge to be able to do it. So um, we make sure that we give everybody the, the ability to, and knowledge and education to do these kind of things on their own. So walk me through what a person gets when they go to Athletes Potential. Yeah. So, um, they're going to work one-on-one -on -one with their physical therapist, uh, for a complete hour, every single time they come in there. So they'll come in, we'll walk through, we'll, we'll get to know them who they are a little bit, you know, especially if it's the initial eval and, and then throughout a continuum of care, constantly trying to figure out who, you know, and that's a really cool part. And I'll get back to your answer here in a second, uh, or your question here in a second, but I mean, man, today I worked with a patient that I worked with for a very long time. I know a lot about her dad. I know a lot about or like her personal life. I know her dog's names. Um, you know, I know like what her favorite book is. I know what book they're reading in book club right now. You know, like um, we really get to know our, our, our folk that we work with on a very personal level. And that's purposeful and intentful. Um, so we're going to get to know you a little bit. 
And then uh, we're going to get into a biomechanical like kind of analysis or, or an eva or like a screen, I guess you can say, of what your movement looks like from a from a very like okay, do we have enough hip range of motion? Do we have enough knee range of motion? Do we have enough ankle toe? Whatever is bugging us, we're going to make sure that we're doing a full screen of the body to make sure that we know what your movement quality looks like. And then we're going to get out on a functional level and we're going to test some just like basic strength movements or just basic, not necessarily strength, but human movements. So like think about squats, lunges, step-ups, things like that, that we're going to make sure that look okay for you. And then if it's very, and, and then um, we can typically get a pretty good idea about what's kind of going on at that point, depending on the issue. Um, but say we're still a little confused, say we're not, say we're not, um, we're not sure yet then, and say you came in with a running injury, then we're going to go out there and we're going to watch you run. And then we're going to see what that kind of looks like as well. And then we're going to make sure that we, uh, walk you through what we think an appropriate plan of care would be in terms of like, how, how long do we think this is going to take? Like, what all, what are we dealing with exactly? You know, give you some clarity there. Um, Cause that can be the most confusing part is like, well, I don't know, <laughs> you know, or like people come in, like, they don't know what's going on. They're like, you know, my knee hurts uh, when I run, it's hurt me before, but now it's just continuous. And now I can't do the things I want to do. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll make sure that we give some clarity there, but then also when, so, but when you leave, uh, you're going to get a customized plan from us as well. And that's typically sent out via email. So with video links and, and you're going to get communication from us in those, in those regards, like, or you're going to get uh, the ability to communicate with us, like whether via email, um, we have a, we use a company called, or we use an uh, EMR electronic messaging or electronic medical record system called PT everywhere. You can message us that too. Uh, we want to make sure that you have good communication with your provider because, um, that's important, you know? And, uh, so you're going to get that customized plan and then we're going to carry it out. And so, um, you know, say that next visit comes in, say we didn't get a chance to watch you run at first. So like, well, now we will, you know, or it all kind of depends from that point forward, but like, we're going to make sure that we, that we're going to spend, uh, whatever amount of time is needed on strength and conditioning or aerobic or aerobic capacity building or, uh, mo- mobility improvements or, um, you know, sleep improvements or breathing. Like, man, I can't tell you how many back pain issues I've solved just by teaching people how to breathe, which sounds counterintuitive, but, um, it's really important and, or it sounds very elementary, but it's very important. A lot of people don't know how to do it very well. So, um, yeah, that's what a typical, I guess, hour or like what you can typically expect from us in terms of like, what's this appointment look like and what, what, what happens afterwards. So, um, yeah. And how, that- how long, how often are you seeing clients? Are you seeing them weekly, twice a week, multiple weeks? How often are you seeing them? Yeah. You know, very rarely will we see people more than once a week. Um, we just, through years of being in, in practice and helping people, it's very rare that that needs to happen. Sometimes it will. Sometimes somebody will come in with, uh, you know, incredibly, acute, like that happened just a couple hours ago, like back pain or neck pain, and we can do some treatment and then we want to follow up and make sure everything looks okay. But uh, typically it's going to be once a week. The only time that we will see somebody more than once a week would be, we do offer something at our clinic called personalized blood flow restriction training, which is an awesome tool. Um, but if you do need that, then you're going to come, there's like a minimal effective dose for that thing, but it's almost like taking like an antibiotic or doing a strengthening protocol or whatever. Um, Unfortunately, because there's equipment involved that's that's pretty specialized in being in a clinic, uh, you're going to need to come in like twice a week for that. Uh, for for like about a three week period is all we really need. Twice a week for about three weeks. But again, you're just going to be in there for like 20, 30 minutes at that point, and then out. Hit those exercises with that BFR on, and then you're out of there until you come and work with me again. What is personalized blood flow training? Yeah, so personalized blood flow restriction training or BFR. Um, Sorry, that, put that one on blood r- flow restriction. Yep, blood flow restriction training. Okay, so. Sir. Yeah, no, it's, it's a mouthful. 
Uh, it is. <laughs> so, so what this is, and the important um, delineation there is that personalized word, right? Um, so, what we do is we have a modified surgical tourniquet in our clinic, um, where we are going to say we'll just stick on this knee this knee pain train. Um, say you've got knee pain as a runner, and we figure out like, oh man, like uh, your quadricep tendon needs a little TLC, right? Well, what we're going to do, or what may be an appropriate course of action for you is getting on a blood flow, personalized blood flow restriction training, where we're going to monitor and lifetime via a Doppler system in the cuff, how much blood flow we need to restrict to get you to re, or to restrict 80% of that blood flow going down into your leg. And this is all research back. This isn't us being weird. This is, <laughs> this is, this is, uh, this is very, very backed in the research. It's, it's incredible, honestly. Um, I think it's one of the biggest paradigm shifts in, in the world of rehab or sports training that there has been in a long time. Um, but the, uh, the idea there is we're going to um, essentially restrict about 80% of that blood flow down to that leg. And when we do that, we're trapping dang near 100% of the venous return, trying to get out of that leg. Okay. And when we do that, we're trapping all these exercise metabolites that kind of come up from exercising. <laughs> so like hydrogen ions, which fun fact, if you feel like a burn when you're working out, uh, it's hydrogen ion buildup. It's not muscle lactate. Like everybody thinks it is, or lactic acid is another thing that people say. Um, but you do get a buildup of muscle lactate. You do get hydrogen ions, you do get carbon dioxide. Um, all these things that are very acidic in nature start building up. And so when we get this increased acidity, it kind of drops our pH levels just ever so slightly in that working area. So like, and David, you know, this, like our body tightly regulates pH, like more so than anything. Um, yeah, kidneys like, and lungs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like you think about like, uh, when we puke from a workout, like, unless you just had like, you know, like a, I don't know, a McRib from McDonald's before training. Uh, but if you just puke, if you puke from a workout, it's typically because you built up that, that acidity too fast. So your body's going to try to hit that emergency lever to get rid of some acidity. And the best way you can do that is by puking up your stomach acid. Yep. Uh, so like, that's a, that's one of the reasons why we puke when we work out anyway, that increased acidity is going to start sending off all these alarm systems in your body. And that's going to eventually lead to upwards of a 290% increase in your human growth hormone or HGH. Um, and also like uh, insulin like growth factor one and some of these other things, they've even shown a decrease in myostatin, which is um, kind of controls muscle growth. So if you've ever seen like those Belgian blue cows that just look like they're on steroids, like they don't have myostatin or have very little qualities or very little amounts of it. So like we need control, like you were kind of talking about earlier on muscle size, like we do need, or strength, we do need control of our, of how much muscle we have and myostatin does that. And it kind of downregulates that a little bit. So, and as little as two to three weeks, we can get true muscle hypertrophy or, or strength changes, uh, which is really good because when athletes get busted for taking HEH, it's not because they're trying to get yoked or trying to get super big or buff. What they're trying to do is they're trying to increase their recovery between games. So it's typically like an older athlete that's going to increase, that's trying to recover faster between games or it's a younger athlete who is trying to improve their, uh, uh, recovery after a surgery, all these different things. So this, this, by restricting at a certain percentage point that again is personalized and, and, de and dependent on what your blood flow looks like, uh, we can actually create an endogenous way to get these increased levels of HGH, IDF1, some of these other hormones that, uh, allow us to get these expedited changes and not just human and not just muscle tissue, but tendon as well. And some of these other things that are very tough to make changes with. And, um, it's just really cool. So essentially the short end, the short winded answer to that is it's a biohack that allows us to, to, uh, expedite, uh, healing processes and, and strength change and muscle size changes as well. So, uh, you're, <laughs> I have to 
I'm I'm laughing a little bit because I'm thinking to myself, you had brought up the idea of the HGH and how athletes could be uh, hit uh, ding for doping mm -hmm. or for using uh, performance and performance enhancing uh, aids, right? So, uh, yeah. What you what I want to do is move away from the athlete and move away from the everyday individual, more of the recreational athlete, the you and me yeah. out there, and 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 look at how then this personalized blood flow restriction training would then have that increase in HDA because you said it's the biohack to speed up healing. How does it do that? Well, why would you do that? And do you do that with every client? And do you do that in every visit? Yeah, no, we definitely don't do it with every client. It's, it's only if it's appropriate, right? Um, just like anything, like we don't do anything that's cookie cutter. So like you and I could both go into the clinic with knee pain and it could look like two totally different office visits depending on what's needed. So, um, and that's, what's really cool about being able to give everybody an hour of direct care every single time, but, uh, where this becomes beneficial. So I can give you a couple of examples. Um, so one, say you did just have a surgery. Uh, I had this patient, he had had an ankle surgery. And we got him in there like, man, super, super quick after a, after a surgery. And he was still in a hard cast, like not even a soft cast, but a hard cast. So we were literally just having him bike on, on, on a, on a, on a what bike that we have in our clinic. And for about 15 minutes of time or 15 minutes at a time, two times a week, just coming in there real light and easy, just 15 minutes on the bike. It's not easy, but it's, it's, it's light. And, um, you know, this, when he went to go get his hard cast cut off, he moved over to a soft cast the surgeon like was like, what in the world you, have you been doing? And he's like, what are you talking about? And he was like, uh, I don't know if anybody who's listening to this has ever been in a cast before, but when you get that cast taken off, it's, you look like a skeleton under yeah, there. Yeah, like, muscle, you, yeah, muscle atrophy because it's trapped into that cast. So, oh my gosh, so much atrophy happens. He yep. didn't lose a single centimeter of his circumference size on one side compared to the other. So that is a huge huge um uh, i'm sorry but I, I can't help think he must have had a lot of itching going on <laughs> oh my gosh so much i'm sure i'm sure his skin I mean, just sweating, super gross. that cast yeah. i'd be sticking stuff in there and i, I know oh. my daughter just had her wrist broken and uh of course the orthopedist was saying whatever you do don't stick pens and things like a break <laughs> and, yeah tap on the cast blah 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 so i'm sorry i interrupted you so what ended up happening you're okay yeah, no, you're fine. So like what that does is that lets us, okay. So, um, that allows us to kind of not necessarily speed up his healing process. Cause he had a surgery, right? So like it only, it takes bone so much time to heal, but once that's healed, now he's in the performance side of things and we don't have to rebuild nearly as much. He's already got the muscle size there. Now we just got to fill that cup up with some more strength and we got to make sure that he can, that his tendons have the ability to handle the load that he can put in with his muscles and everything else. So man, now we're not just, now we're not like trying to rebuild from scratch. We gave ourselves a really nice platform because that initial atrophy that happens after an injury or surgery is, I mean, man, that's detrimental. You'll see people years and decades after a surgery and they still, myself included, this wasn't around when I was getting surgery, but you can still see a difference in people's like just tendon size uh, when they get after, after a major surgery like that. So, um, so that's one way. Another way would be, you know, I have somebody who's doing blood flow restriction training right now. He is a, he owns a construction company. He, um, so he owns a construction company. He's a, he does a lot of rock climbing. He does a lot of, um, he's a runner himself, but like what he's dealing with is elbow pain. Um, so we typically hear it as like golfer's elbow is a way that it's kind of like, is the common term for it or like or, the medical term. 
golfers are tennis elbow. Yeah, okay. Yep, golfers are tennis elbow. So let's hope let's go with tennis. So he's got he's got lateral epicondylitis. So he's got pain on the outside right. of his elbow there. Right. And so he uh and, and you know that's a very like tendon the musculotendinous area up there that that it has a um very problematic for a lot of people. So what we can do is we can actually work him at a lighter load, like a load that he can tolerate. This guy very uh, strong uh, hand strength that you can imagine from work in construction and being a rock climber and all these other things. We were using like two pound weights with this guy <laughs> and we were doing very light exercises that felt very hard. Uh, but again, we're working on the, me- on the metabolic response exercise, not the mechanical response to exercise. Mm-hmm. So we were able to deload him, let his muscles uh, get some rest and R and R that way while still building <laughs> with the HGH and then once his, once his pain tolerance went down or once his pain levels went down, now we're able to start hitting him, hitting or hit the ground running with these different strength protocols that we want to do, because now we've given that musculotendinous in this area, some elevated HGH to help it recover and grow a little bit faster. So now we can fill that cup up even quicker. So, and, and that's exactly what happened. He got done with the BFR protocol and now we're able to like, we're, we're, we're back to hanging and climbing without any issues. So, um, that, that's so, a, that's a, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Uh, so, uh, going back to the personalized blood flow restrictive training, um, this is fascinating for me because I've heard it once yeah. before. So you're bringing it up now, but it's of course very interesting. I'm trying to look at how you are working with the client individually. I'll have more questions about that, but mm-hmm. is it, uh, targeted in a specific muscle or body part area? Like for example, do you do a cuff around an arm how would you do it if maybe you need to get the HGH flowing in, say, the rib cage or maybe the uh, shoulders, the traps, or the lats? Mm-hmm. Because those are muscle groups. There's a lot of tendons and 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 ligaments there, and you know that's going to need it too. How, how do you do that? If you know, I get I get the whole leg thing, mm-hmm. but do you strap a you know something around a person's chest? Around the neck, actually. No, just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's what what I was saying. Wait, what are you talking (laughs) about? No, 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 no. So what's cool about HGH is it's released released from your pituitary gland, which is in your brainstem. So it's a a systemic release, right? Um, I wish I could be that awesome where I'm like, oh, no, all of this HGH is going straight into your elbow, right? (laughs) Um, That's what injections do. That's not what your body does. Um, So what what ends up happening, there's actually some really cool studies that have have been run where – uh, you know, one of the biggest, uh, leading or a very a strong death sentence, I guess we can say for, for an elderly population is to fall and break their hip. Um, you know, cause they're going to lose, they're going to go into the hospital. Um, there's community based illnesses there. They're going to lose a lot of strength. They're going to lose a lot of mobility. They're going to lose a lot of their independence. And then it just starts down this vicious cycle, right? Mm. Um, you know, pneumonia is a, a big one. Another one that gets picked up because you're just laying in a bed all day, not really moving a ton. Mm. Um, it's very, very problematic. Mm. Um, this There's been some studies run actually where they'll hook up BFR to somebody's, um, you know, we'll take a hip fracture out of, out of the way. Say they just fell and they're like in the hospital getting things or getting things checked out, right? Well, they will cuff up both legs. So they got BFR cuffs on both legs and then they have them on an arm ergometer or an arm bike essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because they can't move their leg all that much, cause say they just had surgery or that's too painful or whatever the case may be. So they have them on an arm bike. And then what's ended up happening is there, is there, uh, is those, that total elevated level of HGH 
is allowing them to actually like walk out of the hospital versus going out in a wheelchair or mm. um, it's maintaining aerobic capacity to a, to a point where they're able to maintain their independence uh, versus sh- having this sharp decline. So, um, so say we are working on the shoulder. What's nice is uh, we know the way the body works with vasoconstriction and dilation, like we're going to, your body is going to deviate its blood flow to the working arm or towards the working side. Right. Cause mm-hmm. even though we're using lightweight, say it's a shoulder press, I only have to do in five pounds. Um, even though that's lightweight, it still feels very hard. So your body is, is redirecting that blood flow over to that working muscle, that working limb. So what's in, what ends up happening there is even though it's a systemic release of HGH, it's going hard towards that working area. Um, so yeah. it's deviating towards that side. So that's how we kind of get it there. Um, you know, it'd be interesting. I've never tried it for anybody with like a rib cage injury or like an intercostal issue or anything like that. But, um, I, I, that'd be a patient who I just wouldn't deem it as appropriate. There's other things I can do. Uh, I have used it on people with like low back pain before, and that's going to be a situation where, um, you know, I think a lot of their back pain is just from inactivity or a lot of their back pain is just from general weakness. And we just need to rebuild, you know, say this is somebody who's had chronic back pain for 30 plus years, and they've just been afraid to move. Um, well, we're going to have them do like air squats, but we're actually going to make it effective. And we're going to, we're going to strap those cups on and we're going to build up some, we're going to build up some lower extremity strength there. So, uh, that's how it could help the back. But as far as like rib cages, I'm not sure how that would help, but as far as like shoulder or hip or glutes or things along those lines, what we're really trying to do is get those, is get that elevated HGH level to that working area. So I want to also make sure I have this disclaimer because I want to make sure people to understand that this should be done with professional help. This is not something you just do on home strap on or rubber band and and then let it go and everything's going to be great, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, unfortunately, yeah, that's that's true. Uh especially to start off with if you've never done anything like this before. Um because uh, again, it's that personal personalized blood flow restriction training. Like we've got monitors on you monitoring your blood flow the entire time. So we know exactly right. what's kind of going on. Right. Um, you know, this comes from uh, a form of Japanese or Japanese bodybuilding and it's, and it's original form is katsu training. Um, but the, uh, but you're spot on because what can happen. So like, you know, there's this example given where bodybuilders, they were trying to get their calves bigger, right? It's important for their sport. They need to be like as lean and big as they can to a certain degree. So um, they were trying to get their calves bigger using blood flow restriction training, or you've got this nerve called your common fibular nerve that wraps right around your, the outside of your knee there uh, called your fibular head. And they were essentially compressing that. And our nerves do not like compression at all. So like you end up getting like some called like a neuropraxia or you start like you start disrupting that nerve's ability to communicate with its muscles or the muscles that innervates and you start getting issues like drop foot or you start not being able to pull your your toes up or like all these different issues that can start arising because either that pressure was on for too long or it was too much pressure or some variation or conversely say it's not on there tight enough or you're not doing enough of, of an occlusion rate then you're not really doing anything. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're just making exercise feel a little bit harder. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's really, really important stuff to know. I mean, I think that that's why I wanted to bring it up. I think it's important to, to understand, let people understand that the reason I'm having you describe all of this is because, of course, you want to give that, that them that personalized level of care. So For I want sure. to go a little bit further with this. I've got a few more questions here around yeah. that. Um, so you're working it. with these clients. You said you're trying to do this holistic approach, whereas different from the traditional physical therapy, check the boxes for insurance. Mm -hmm. You talked about things like stress management and uh, sleep, nutrition, depression. 
Talk to me through some of that. How are you working with someone around that those areas when they're coming in, of course, for physical therapy? Yeah. So this stems from, um, I, I quickly found out early on in my PT career or that people are coming in because they have knee pain, right? Uh, people aren't coming in because they have shoulder pain. People well, are coming I mean, in. Originally, that's what they're coming in for, but uh, that could be a thought right? going on. Yeah. There's for sure. There always is, right? Like, I mean, dang, like I had knee pain just the other day on a run and it, it's gone and like it didn't impact my run at all. And like it, it just, it just is what it is, right? Like, um, people come in or they essentially want to seek help, especially when they get to the point with us where they're choosing not to use their insurance and all these other things. Um, they're trying to solve a problem. And that problem is I can't run anymore. And there's, there's all kinds of factors that impact that, or I can't, I like, uh, I can't bend over and pick my kid up out of, off the floor, you know, or whatever reason, there's a deeper reason typically to that. And so when we start looking at, and that's where these relationship development pieces come into play. Cause I got to know who you are and who I'm working with before I can start making any of these type of recommendations. Right. Um, so if, it, if we're going to talk about like stress management, for example, um, I want to know what some of those stresses are. And, uh, I want to know, is it, is it work-related? Is it life-related? Is it family-related? Um, is there, is it time management related? Because a lot of times if we can, we can give different strategies, like if it's, uh, you know, say it's, it's block, block time management, right. Where you block off certain pieces of your schedule, or if we're doing some various like breathing techniques to help you manage that stress, like all those things kind of come into play, but I got to know where we're starting with. If it's sleep, we know like sleep, uh, we know various sleep, uh, techniques, like whether that's because there's a huge difference between quality of sleep and quantity of sleep. So we know like, all right, is your root cold enough? Are you, um, what is, uh, you know, are you getting, cause like, just cause you go to bed at 12 and you think you're going to wake up at eight or, you know, 10 and six, like that's not eight hours of sleep. Right. And that's, and that's a big differentiation there. And, uh, you know, there's this, there's numerous studies, uh, that show that just as little as just one night of decreased sleep increases, increases your perception of pain exponentially. And it increases, I think I just saw this study um, just the other day where it was uh, one, one, one night of less than seven hours of sleep increases your risk of injury for athletes upwards by like 1.7 times increase your, or 1.7 times, which is absurd, you know? So sleep is super important. So we know, so we want to make sure that we figure out like, why uh, are you, are you doing the general things? Because if it's, if it's super advanced, right? So say you've got all these things kind of dialed in, well, it's not my job at that point anymore. You know, it would be a disservice for me to try to sit there and talk to you about like in-depth reasons on how to handle or uh, techniques and strategies on how to handle depression, right? Like that's not my lane. But what's cool is we work with a ton of badass professionals. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know if it's okay to cuss on this podcast. Yeah, you we work. Can curse. Sorry. Okay. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like we know, and that's and that's one of my favorite things to do is, is connect people to the right providers. Um, I mean, a classic example, I, I was working with somebody just today who, uh, I referred over to a pelvic floor therapist because I thought her back pain was, has nothing to do with with what I could help out with, right? Um, or I mean, there's there's pieces to it, but I think a bigger layer was with some of the pelvic floor issues that was, that she was having that was she was describing to me, and uh, that's not my lane, you know. Uh, but I know some really awesome providers who that is what they live and die for. So uh, I sent her there. She's she's getting those problems nipped in the bud, and she's feeling great. So um, that is that becomes my role in certain times with that, like we can get the, we can get the general ideas kind of put together. Cause here's, what's cool. A lot of times it's, it's not rocket science that we need to do. You know, a lot of times it's just making sure that the, that the fundamentals are in place uh, because the more savagely good we can become at the fundamentals, 
the better off all these different uh, pillars are going to be able to hold up the, the uh, uh, demands that life kind of bring on you. So uh, if it, if it, say, you, say you're just not moving enough, right? So say we can get you because you're in pain. So say we get that pain out of the way, you move well enough. Well, now you sleep well enough. Well, you sleep well enough. You have better stress management. You have better stress management. Uh, you're going to eat a little bit better because you're not stressy. All these other things that kind of fall into place. So, and they all kind of are this very convoluted uh, intertwined circle or web, if you will. So um, yeah, right. It's interesting because we all specialize in our areas, in our practice areas, but the human body doesn't. The human body it has an interplay, an interconnection with the varying systems of the body, neuromuscular, 100%. with the endocrine, with the lymphatic, with the reproductive, with the respiratory you know, um, I mean, it goes on. It's not like the body works in silos. We do, but yeah. the body doesn't. <laughs> we like to yeah. think it does, right? Yeah. Like here's a, here's a cool example. Uh, if, if anybody thinks they have tight hamstrings, uh, I'm sure you've done this thing where somebody put, hold your leg up in the air when you're on your back and you, and they say, yeah. push against me and relax yeah. and you get yeah. more range of motion. Yeah. That's just a party trick, man. Like your hamstring did not all of a sudden become longer. <laughs> like, uh, your nervous system just relaxed enough. You kind of tricked it to allow you to have more range of motion. So that's a great example of how like, it's not anything that has nothing to do with your hamstring. It's all nervous system based. So yeah, you're right. The whole body plays, it's, it's not siloed off in its own little compartments. It's all very connected in, in convoluted ways. And the more I can just kind of set my patients up for success, if it's with me, that's awesome. If not, cool. I know the best people in the business to be able to help you with or to help you get to where you need to go. So, um, and we can work together as a team, which becomes really cool to have a team of professionals in your corner. So uh, you alluded to this a little bit in the different areas that you were talking about. Uh, mm -hmm. It sounds like at um, Athletes Potential, you, you don't bill insurance on behalf of the client. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. So it's all out of pocket for the client. Um, yep. I love the approach that you have in this holistic uh, realm. This whole approach is really up my alley. I really think it's really important. I I can't help but think because you know I do take insurance and it's financially very difficult for a lot of people to be able to get these kind of services especially if you're asking people to do an hour and you're offering these different approaches and maybe different mm -hmm. uh treatments it can sound pretty expensive especially if we're going beyond rehab and checking the boxes we're going to the point of well, I can, you know, start that sport again, or I can rock climb, or I can go hiking again. How do you handle that cost issue? Because that's a very big barrier. For sure. I think my first question when somebody says like, oh man, you're expensive, right? Um, I want to know relative to what, right? Because there's plenty of people who will go and spend $250, $300 on shoes. There's plenty of people who will go and spend, who have no issue spending $300, $300 on tickets, uh, to like their favorite concert, or there's no the people like money is money to a degree is, is it's kind of infinite, right? Like not infinite terms. Like we always have all kinds of money. Right. But like, um, if my, if you my, mean finite, there you go. It's not finite. <laughs> there, there you go. It's not finite. Uh, that's a much better way to say it. Yes. Um, but, uh, we are going to make sure that we deliver so much value for what we do. Um, that cost is no longer a concern. Right. Because uh, we want to make sure that whatever we do and look, we don't want to be financially burdened, burdensome on anybody. Right. But we got to make sure that we have the ability to make sure that we treat every person as as they should be treated from a healthcare provider and that we kind of like blow it in your face with how much freaking value that we give you. Right. Like we want to make sure that 
we have that we give you so that we give you so much of our time, effort, attention, and energy that cost isn't really a because uh, there is totally that there is totally a difference between cost and value, right? And um, so th- that's a long-winded way to say like uh, we make sure that what we do justifies our cost and that the value is there. And it's not it's not on me to decide to kind of put on the person or to try to uh, project onto the person what they do and don't value. Right. So if you value that pair of shoes more than you value being able to run or to be able to move pain-free, go for it. That's not, that's not for me to decide. Right. If you value, um, going to go on, going to a show that month or, you know, whatever the case may be that you value more than working with me, that's not my job to determine that at that point. I know what we can do. I know what we, what our, uh, history as a company has shown that we can do. And I know how much we care about people. So we make sure, so, and we make sure our, our price, look, we're not, we don't want to rob people by any means. That's our last, that's the least of our concerns. We do not want or need people's money. Uh, what we want to do is we want to make an impact and we want to make sure that we have the ability to make an impact, not just for the people who we work with, but the people who work with us. So like our employees, our staff, our entire company, we want to make sure that everybody is, is uh, at an optimal position to be able to make sure that we care for our patients to the best of our abilities. So let's talk a little bit about staff and the company. So uh, who's on your team? Yeah, so we've got um, our team is growing, which is cool. Um, so check back in in a few weeks here, and, and it'll be more than this. Um, but right now, we've got uh, three different PTs um, that we work with, or that that uh, are that's working with us. We've got uh, two front staff. Uh, we've got, um, and that's it. <laughs> right now, we're a pretty small company, but we've got uh, our front staff. Her, uh, her name is Claire. Like, if you call into our office, you're going to talk to either Claire or Ashley. Um, they're both incredible people. Claire is. Um, she's the, I mean, she's the bread and butter of who we are as a company. She's the, she is, um, she, she cares more than just about anybody on our staff about the people that she's talking with. Um, she's a, she's wicked smart in what she does and she, and she treats people the way they should. So, um, hopefully you get the opportunity. If you call in and, and want to work with us, you get opportunity to chat with her on the phone because you'll get plenty of opportunities when you work with us in the clinic and everything. But so you've got her, you've got Ashley, she's our COO. She's the one, she's one of, she's a co-founder as well. Uh, her and Danny are the ones who founded this company. And then uh, uh, you got me, uh, I, I kind of, I'm the president of our company. So I run like the, I run our company right now. And then um, along with Ashley, and then uh, uh, you've got Marcus who he's, he's our newest person. He's been on for over a year now or close to it. And that guy, man, I tell you what, I'm amazed at what he's able to do with patients every single day. I'm just I love to learn from him as like he teaches, he can teach me something every single day. I'm sure if we had the time to do like clinic and, uh, you know, in clinic time every, every day. So um, he's a ninja in the clinic. He's wicked smart. And he cares so much about people. So uh, I'm really proud of the team that we have right now because of how much we give to and from a whole systems approach. So from the time you talk to us on the phone until the time you leave, we're going to make sure that you know that you're cared for. Awesome. So it sounds like you get referrals from other health professionals since you're doing more of a holistic approach. I would imagine you also from physicians, orthopedists, how do you get your referral sources then? A lot of it is word to mouth or word of mouth. Um, A lot of it is, you know, say Tom really likes us. So he tells his friend, Susan and Susan really likes us. And she tells her friend, Andy, you know, like um, there's, there's, that's a big piece of what we do, but we also try to make sure that we're a part of the community that we serve. So uh, we want to make sure that we're within, that we go to gyms and that we're inside gyms and uh, clinics and, and, or not just clinics, but gyms and and studios and um, all these things. We want to make sure that we, that we're very present in the community. So uh, whether it's gyms or studios or other healthcare professionals, like uh, we want to make sure that 
people just know who we are because we all have our uh, roles that we that we love to fulfill and help people out with. And uh, if that ever becomes outside your realm or outside your role, then we're here to kind of help make you make you look good as a healthcare provider. All right, I got one other question because I think this is something that's a lot in my wheelhouse. And one major problem that I see, it's not a specific to any ailment as much as uh, the body itself, joints, movement. Um, I often get a lot of clients who go to physicians and spine specialists, orthopedists, uh, primary cares, uh, or primary care physicians, um, OBGYNs, uh, fertility specialists, and they, the physicians or the healthcare professionals, always blame the individual about their weight. And having to lose weight is essential in order to improve their health. Now, that frustrates me. Um, mm -hmm. And it frustrates me because uh, weight is so much more complex. And there isn't a chicken and the egg here or, you know, the cart before the horse. It's not like they gain the weight and that's why they are having these problems. Maybe they're having these problems because of other areas of their lives and the weight is a consequence of that, or that's just genetically how they're, they are, or mm -hmm. that is what a person is designed to become. What is your stance as the practice in, in your, uh, your group on the whole weight issue? Because I know you talked about this holistic thing. I just, I, I always like to push my guests on this mm -hmm. issue. Yeah. You know, I think one, it's selling, um, it's selling your patient short if all you do is look at one aspect of their life, right? I've said that a, a couple of times. I'll say it again. I think if all I do is focus on a person's weight um, as it relates to their knee pain, then that's selling the human body short. It's selling that person standing in front of me short, flat out. There's no other way to say that. Uh, but there's all different kinds of things. There are, I understand, I can understand to a point where a physician would say, or, or an orthopedic surgeon would say like, oh man, we need to, we need you to drop some, some pounds um, because the, when you're dealing with surgery, uh, you got to be as cautious as you can to a certain degree. And you got to make sure like there are just certain risk factors associated with being under anesthesia and everything else uh, that's associated with being overweight, right? Now, to say that you're only in pain because you're overweight is a huge disservice. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of ways that we can improve our pain and work around where we're currently at from a body type standpoint, right? Um, there's, there's things that we need to make sure like, okay, is it, if it's a, if it's, if we're worried about a compression issue, right. Or a ground reaction, how can we, or like a, you know, say it's just too much weight on your, it, the classic one is like, well, you can't walk or it hurts to walk because you're too heavy. Right. And like, you're too heavy and like that hurts your knees. Right. Um, okay. Well, are there, are there, are there ways that we can improve how our bodies and how our joints are, are handling the ground reaction forces that are going up into our joints, right? So can we work on, if it's walking, that's your goal. Can we work on loading mechanics that help you with walking? Um, is there truly strengthening drills that we can do to kind of help you uh, be able to handle the load that, 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 uh, that your body puts on your, on your system right now? And if, and, and so like, is it blood flow restriction training? Like, do we just need to show those tendons a little TLC, right? Like there's all kinds of things that if all I do is look at the weight of an individual, because you're right, there's people that I work with all the time that, um, you know, you might consider them heavier or whatever the case may be, or overweight or whatever term you want to use. Um, but these guys are badasses in the gym and they make sure that they, uh, and, and they're, they're probably in better quote unquote shape from a cardiovascular standpoint than 
most people out there, right? Um, it's, 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 it's so much more than just like from an external factor of what you look like and how heavy you are. That's why the BMI is constantly being um, ridiculed and scrutinized and all these other things. Like I thought it was laughable when they said, when, the, when Georgia came out and said anybody with over a BMI of 25, I think it was, is what it was could go get the vaccine. I'm like, well, that's just about everybody out there. You know, like <laughs> it's, it's super, it's super uh, unfortunate that that is it, that our weight is such a identifying factor of who we are as a person that really shouldn't be, you know? Um, and so like, if it's, if it's coming down to pain and why you're in pain, there's all different kinds of things that we can do. That's not necessarily going to be focused around who you are from a weight standpoint. A uh, last, last few questions here. Um, Number one, where uh, where is your company? Where can people find you? Our website is just www.athletespotential.com. Um, so that's just plural athletes. So athletes with an S, potential.com. And are you on any social channels? We are. Yeah, you can find us at Athletes Potential on both. On You know, that's just Instagram. That's Facebook. Uh, we do have a LinkedIn. We're not super active on that. Um, Instagram would probably be the best place. If you wanted to reach out and shoot us a we do it like if you wanted us to, uh, if you wanted just to talk to somebody, we do have a contact request form on our on our website that you can fill out, and somebody will be really will reach out to you very quickly. Um, or you can reach out to us on Instagram, social media. We respond to all of those. So whichever is the easiest the easiest uh, modality for you to reach out to somebody these days or communicate with somebody these days, um, we 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 can we can accommodate. Okay, sounds good. And a um, couple, two, two more questions. Number one, what, what is a question that you wish you were asked? That I wish I was asked. Oh man. Oh, let me see. I think you nailed a lot of it because one of the questions that I wished I was asked more, right, <laughs> is, is uh, well, what's the difference between in network and Adam? Like cash pizza. So like you kind of hit it like. So it's technically cash PT is what we're considered because we don't accept insurance. Uh, we just call ourselves like at a network. Um, but um, I love that you asked me about the question about what do you, what, what kind of pushback do you get from a cost standpoint? Right. Uh, Cause I think it's super important to understand that whenever you're dealing with the body, if you're looking at it from a cost standpoint, then that's just simply not who we want to work with. I mean, to be frank, like, I, I mean, I, I do understand that cost becomes a, a dollar amounts at some point become a deciding factor for everybody. But your body is so much an investment. You only get one, right? You only, no matter how how much money you have, no matter how uh, how fluent you are, no matter what, you only get one body. And I want nothing else but to make sure that you know uh, how to take care of that body from a musculoskeletal standpoint. And if it's from a nutrition standpoint, like I got people like yourself that I can refer you out to. Um, but I want to make sure that you have all the tools possible to get out of pain, enjoy life. Uh, from a from a physical standpoint, and to do so over the lifespan, because that's what you truly deserve. Anybody who walks in our door, like I, I full heartedly believe that you have the um, innate, um, innate. Uh, what word am I looking for here? Not desire, but uh, right to be able to live a pain free life. And I want to make sure that if you're like if you're willing to put in the work, man, you're going to get twice as much effort from me. I'm not just going to meet you halfway. I'll meet you three quarters of the way there, but. I need somebody. I we want people that are willing to work, put in the time, and they want to live uh, an active lifestyle. So yeah, you're, you're, it sounds to me like you're selling value in a person's life, and that and, sure. and it's hard to put a, a value on something like that, which is important. Yeah. All right, last question: If you were stranded on a desert island, what would be the last meal you can have? And Oof. anything it could be made for you. It could be a specific food. It's up to you. What oh would it be? man. 
I feel like I'm getting recency bias right now. I'll tell you what, I just had these churros from Superpan uh, this past weekend. Okay. And they were, oh my God, they were so good. I didn't know churros could be so good. Um, <laughs> so recency bias as those churros. But okay. oh, man, if I was going to have one last meal for the, that'd be a great question for my wife. Cause I feel like she would know better than I would. <laughs> she would know better what you want. Better. I feel so because like I, I like so many things. And I feel like she just picks up on trends that I do so much better than than I do. So I, like you know what? But I often tell my client, my guests that it's the first thing that comes to mind. And if churros it is, then there you go, man. That's what you're gonna have. Hey, that's what I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna eat those dang churros from Super Pan. I'm gonna be super happy about it too. But most most guests go away thinking, oh, I wish I should have chosen this. And it's like it's okay, it's okay. It's too late. You're not really gonna get stranded on the desert either. But you made your decision. Um, yeah, <laughs> Jacob. Thank you so much. This has been great. I appreciate you taking the time, man. And I will talk to you again sometime soon. Yeah, David. I've had a great time. I really appreciate you giving me the chance to hop on here and explain a little bit about what we do. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Jacob Swart from Athletes Potential. Some great information there that you can take away. I love their holistic approach and more importantly, teaming up with other health professionals like myself that can help their patients achieve that holistic care. So thanks again for being on the show. I also want to thank Jennifer Baugh, the new member of our team at the Orozco Nutrition Practice. She is the content creator or coordinator for this in the last few episodes. So thank you, Jennifer, for doing a fantastic job. So when you read those show notes on our website for this podcast and others, her and Reagan Perkins, our other Orozco Nutrition Dietitian, they together help with a lot of the back-end work of the podcast. So big shout-out to both Jennifer and Reagan. Great job. Thank you very much for all the work that you do. And remember, if you're looking for a way to break free from diet culture, look at Orozco Nutrition, where we bring you that weight-inclusive, anti-diet approaches that help you build a positive relationship to food, make peace with your body, and start living fully. Look us up at OrozcoNutrition.com. You're welcome to make an appointment for a free 15-minute chat with one of us. Okay, I've kept you in suspense long enough. Let me tell you what's going to happen with our podcast. We're taking a little hiatus. That doesn't mean that you're not going to get episodes. We're going to bring back some old episodes that are some of our best. We're going to have both uh, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, co-authors of Intuitive Eating, on the show again. So you'll hear some of those and that those episodes. And we'll have Kate Scarlatta. And one of my favorite ones is also the Super Bowl uh, dietitian for the Kansas City Chiefs. Remember, they won the Super Bowl two years ago. So that was a great episode. So stay tuned for that. We After September, we've got some more great content coming up. We're doing a lot of great things with the podcast. And I'm really excited with our team at Orozco Nutrition. We're doing a lot of great uh, new content and great ideas. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay, and lastly, please remember to rate and review our show. And if you like this episode, send it over to two friends or family members that can really stand the benefit, especially if they have joint issues, a great holistic approach. All right, folks, I just want to also say thank you very much for being such loyal listeners, and I greatly appreciate you. Just remember, chop that diet mentality, fuel your body, and nourish your soul. Hasta pronto. Oh, yeah.